talking so fast. I don't even know how I got into it. It's just one dude right here. The next thing I know, the story come out. I was fighting with three guys. You know, once it was all over with, it's over. I'm standing up. I know I didn't even know I was being stabbed. And so I look up. I got a jacket on. I look up, and I my jacket is red, blood everywhere. I'm I'm, I'm coming leaking down my face. I can really keep my eyes open. The 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame class included some great names. We have a two-time NBA champion in Chris Bosh, a multiple-time All-Star in Chris Webber, and a four-time Defensive Player of the Year in Ben Wallace. But one player on the list stood out above the rest. 2008 Finals MVP, NBA champion, Celtics legend Paul Pierce. Now, the opinions on Paul Pierce, they're all over the place. Some people acknowledge that he was a great player in the mid-2000s going toe-to-toe with LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and some people only remember the late stages of his career when he was a role player and then his analyst days on ESPN. Now, I know Paul Pierce has some terrible takes when he's on TV, but it's hard to deny how great of a player that he was when he was in his prime. And I believe a lot of people don't really remember how good Paul Pierce was, so we're going to look back at a Hall of Fame career that the truth had. Unlike some NBA legends, Paul Pierce's basketball career did not get started off on the right foot. After being born and raised in Oakland, California, Pierce and his family later moved to Inglewood, this is where the LA Lakers used to play, back in the Magic Johnson days and the young Kobe Bryant. And Pierce was a Laker fan growing up. Now I said his basketball career didn't get started off on the right foot because Pierce was cut from his high school basketball team at Inglewood High his first two years of high school. Not ideal for somebody who would later become an NBA Hall of Famer. They're debating transferring to a different school, Pierce decided to put the work in and this is when his game started to reach a new level. By the end of his junior year, he was a star on his team playing in a tough LA area which included a lot of great players. Going into his senior year, Pierce was ready to make a name for himself, and he did just that, averaging 27 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. This great season gave Paul Pierce the opportunity to play in the McDonald's All-American game, which is the highest honor for a high school basketball player in America. And this was a star-studded contest, man. Guys like KG, Vince Carter, Stephon Marbury, and Anton Jameson were all participants in this game. Pierce even gave Vince Carter, one of the best dunkers in basketball history, a run for his money in the dunk contest. No, no, he's gonna put him back in. Ah! Anybody else, you gotta do it by yourself. It's mighty quiet with almost 4,000 there. Couldn't get him down. Okay, I was joking. Didn't really put on a good show, but Paul Pierce is never the most athletic player. Being one of the top players in the country, Pierce had a lot of different options on where he wanted to play collegiately. Pierce ended up committing to the University of Kansas to play for legendary coach Roy Williams. And Pierce made an instant impact on his Jayhawk squad as he was named Big 8 Co-Freshman of the Year alongside Chauncey Billups. As a sophomore, this is where Pierce took a big step forward, as in the newly named Big 12 tournament. Pierce averaged just under 22 points per game as the Kansas Jayhawks went on to win the Big 12 tourney. In his junior season, the accolades kept piling in. Once again, MVP of the Big 12 Tournament. He was an All-Big 12 first-team player and was also named a first-team All-American and a finalist for the John Wooden and Naismith Awards in 1998. His junior year was his last season as a Kansas Jayhawk, but he left the school as the fifth-leading scorer in their history. Now, going into the 1998 NBA Draft, Paul Pierce was seen as one of the top prospects, but this was one of the early signs of differing opinions on the game of Paul Pierce. Somebody that was projected to go possibly top five ended up slipping all the way to the number 10 pick. And ironically, 
A Laker fan growing up was going to play in Boston for the Boston Celtics. In 10 of his first 11 games as an NBA player, he scored 19 or more points in those contests. As a rookie, Pierce averaged 16.5 points per game and was third in Rookie of the Year voting. Pierce would continue to elevate his play as in year two. He averaged 19.5 points per game and was turning into one of the best young offensive players in the league. Going into year three, Pierce was ready to break out and become one of the best players in the league. But then, sadly, a tragedy struck. On this night, Paul Pierce was just out chilling at a nightclub, having fun before the season was getting ready to start. He was talking to a woman, and then all of a sudden, a couple guys came up to him and basically told him to stop talking to her. Now, obviously, Pierce is out enjoying himself, so what do these two guys really have to say about that? It's not clear what was said in the situation, but obviously, things started to escalate. A small fight ensued, and then suddenly, Pierce was struck over the head with a bottle. To add insult to injury, Pierce was then stabbed 11 times in the face, neck, and back. Pierce was then rushed to the hospital where he was fighting for his life. Pierce later said that one of the stab wounds was mere inches away from hitting his heart. Somehow, some way, Pierce was able to survive the stabbing. And not only that, he went on to have the best season of his young NBA career. One of the reasons for this was that Pierce said himself, after the incident, all he could think about was hoops. That was his getaway. That was his safe space. He couldn't even sit in his house without having a gun nearby. So to come over the physical and mental trauma and go on to have the best season of your NBA career is pretty incredible. Not only did Pierce play in all 82 games that season, he had a career year across the board averaging 25.3 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, and 3.1 assists per contest. Now, despite all the early success, this Boston Celtics had not been a playoff team. In fact, the team hadn't made the playoffs in seven seasons, which for a historic franchise, that's a pretty terrible run. In the 2001-2002 season, Pierce led his Celtics squad to the postseason for the first time in seven years. They made it all the way to the conference finals, where they went toe-to-toe with the New Jersey Nets. The highlight of this playoff run was the Celtics trailing by 21 points in the fourth quarter against these Nets. With the series tied at 1-1, Pierce scored 19 of his 28 points in the final quarter. The Celtics won the game 94-90 and took a 2-1 series lead, but the Nets ultimately won the series in six in advance to the NBA Finals. But at this point, Paul Pierce has begun to make his mark as one of the best young stars in the league. Now, from 2002 to 2006 was some of Pierce's best seasons. In 2002, he led the league in total points scored. And over the next couple of seasons, he was an All-NBA third-team player. The truth was an All-Star every season between 02 and 06. But the Boston Celtics weren't having the same playoff success that they had in the 2002 run. In fact, just one season after averaging a career-high 26.8 points per game, Pierce and the Celtics fell off a cliff. In the 2006-2007 season, the Celtics won a whopping 24 games, which was the second worst record in the league, and Pierce was pretty much injured the majority of that season, only playing in 47 games. Because they were such a bad team the year before, the Boston Celtics got a top 5 pick in the 2007 NBA draft. But top 5 wasn't good enough. You had to get top 2 in this draft to really get a great player. Now, Greg Oden was the number one pick. We know injuries hit him bad, but Kevin Durant was the number two overall pick. And the Celtics wanted KD. They didn't get KD. They ended up getting Jeff Green, but they later traded the then Seattle Supersonics for Ray Allen. So now all of a sudden, Paul Pierce is playing with another perennial all-star, which he hadn't really had since Antoine Walker left town. 
But even with that move, the Boston Celtics weren't done making changes. When a star player became unhappy in Minnesota, Danny Ainge swooped in and made a trade for him. Now all of a sudden, Kevin Garnett, former MVP, NBA legend, is a Boston Celtic. Now, you can argue this might have started the super team trend, but that's a discussion for another day. The Celtics went from one of the worst teams in the league to on paper being one of the best, and they did not disappoint in the 2008 season. With the newly formed Big 3 and young players like Rajon Rondo and Kendrick Perkins starting to step up into their roles, the Celtics had the biggest turnaround in NBA history. Literally, the biggest turnaround in NBA history went from winning 24 games to 66 in the 2008 season. Now, the craziest thing about this team being so good is that in the postseason, they struggled early on. In the first round series against the eight seeded Atlanta Hawks that only won 37 games that year, it took the Celtics seven games to beat that team. They couldn't win a game in Atlanta, but ultimately they were able to close it out in Boston. And then the next series against a young LeBron James, fresh off of a finals appearance, was a duel. This also went all the way to seven games where LeBron and Paul Pierce put on one of the greatest game seven performances in NBA history. Pierce and James went toe to toe, bucket for bucket, shot for shot. James ended the game with 45, but Pierce ended with 41 in the victory. Celtics moved on to the conference finals where they beat the Detroit Pistons in six games, and then moved on to the NBA finals where they played the LA Lakers. Yeah, a classic Celtics-Laker matchup. After getting carried out in a wheelchair in the mid stages of game one, he came back and had a very productive series. In fact, so productive, he ended up winning finals MVP as the Celtics beat the LA Lakers in six games. Over the series, Pierce averaged 22 points per game and hit some big shots in the process. This also plays into the irony, man. As a Laker fan growing up, beating the Lakers in the NBA Finals as a Boston Celtic. You can't make this stuff up. The 2008-2009 season was another good one for the Celtics. Paul Pierce was an all-star once again, and for the first time in his career was named to the All-NBA second team. But with KG injured for the postseason, it was a tough run for the Celtics. Another first-round series going Game 7 against a low-seeded team. This was the young Chicago Bulls with a young D. Rose, Ben Gordon. One of the best playoff series of all time. I mean, if you go back and watch the series, every game was compelling. There were big shots, big plays, and pretty much every contest. Then, just like the year before, another seven-game series in the second round. This time against a peak Dwight Howard and the Orlando Magic. Now, the Celtics battled, but obviously missing one of the best defensive players in the league in KG was a big-time hit. And ultimately, they lost Game 7 at home. We know the Magic went on to the NBA Finals. And Kobe got his revenge coming back from the year before and winning the championship. Compared to the two years before where the Celtics won 66 and 62 regular season games, 2010 was kind of a down year, only winning 50 games in a regular season and being the four seed out east. Pierce still had a good year, averaging 18 points per game, was an all-star once again, and even won a three-point shootout. First round series against the Miami Heat with the Celtics up 2-0 in the series. Game tied at 98. Paul Pierce showed why he's one of the most clutch players in the league, hitting a step-back shot at the buzzer to win the game. That's the thing about Pierce. People don't understand that he's one of the most clutch players in NBA history. He hit a lot of big shots over his time in the league. Celtics ended up winning this series against the Heat in five, moved on to the second round, and they had another duel with LeBron James. 
Despite being the lower seed, the Celtics looked pretty dominant at times and ended up winning the series in six. Moving on to the next round, going up against the Orlando Magic, a team that had beaten them handily in the regular season, the Celtics got out to a 3-0 lead in the series and ended up winning it in six games, advancing again to the NBA Finals, where they would play an old friend in the LA Lakers. Now growing up, this was the first Finals that I really remember watching, and I was really invested in. I mean, this was as back and forth as the series has been in the NBA Finals. Tied at 1-1, the series shifted to Boston where the Celtics won the next two out of three games and went back to LA up 3-2 with a chance to win the NBA championship. Now in game six, an injury to Kendrick Perkins early on set a bad tone for the team as they got absolutely blown out in that game. But moving on to game seven, anything is possible and the Celtics came out looking like a team that was ready to win the championship. Tees dominated the first half, Kobe Bryant was struggling and they had a 13 point second half advantage against LA in the Staples Center. But it's tough to hold a guy like Kobe and this Lakers team down for long. Lakers battled back with efforts from Paul Gasol, Ron Artest, and others. And Kobe still had a very impactful game despite not shooting the ball well. I mean, in the game seven, if you have Kobe Bryant shooting six for 24, you probably expect to win that game, but that's not the case. Battle back ended up winning the game 83 to 79 and knock off the Celtics in seven games and win the NBA championship. As a Celtics fan, this was tough to watch, man. Um, you get that far, and you don't get to see some of your favorite guys win, it, win the championship. But you got to respect Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest of all times. Rest in peace to the Mamba. Moving on to the 2010-2011 season. Honestly, in my personal opinion, this is one of the better Celtics teams of that time. But it just didn't end that way. The team started off very well. They were clearing away the best team out east during the regular season at the All-Star break. And the newly formed Miami Big 3 had not yet beaten the Celtics team. In fact, the Celtics won their first three matchups against the Miami Heat. But the second half of the season was not that kind. It's like Shaquille O'Neal was not playing near at the same level that they were early on in the season. The Celtics then traded a key piece in Kendrick Perkins for a young Jeff Green. And it was tough for the team to really get their chemistry back as they ended up slipping all the way to the three seed and got beat in the second round against the Miami Heat in five games. But Pierce and company have one more good run left in them. Going into 2012, this was the lockout season. And the Celtics started off the season okay. Not great, not bad. They were just kind of middle of the pack. Similar to 2010 in a way. Now the season was short, so only 66 games were played. And the Celtics won 39 games and lost 27. Not a bad record. Good enough to finish 5th in the Eastern Conference. Pierce had a good all-around season, averaging 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 4.5 assists per game. Was once again an all-star. Now, moving on to the conference finals, they get to play an old friend in LeBron James and the Miami Heat. The series started off poor for the Celtics as they lost their first two games on the road in Miami. But going back to Boston, they were able to bounce back, tie the series at 2-2. And going into a big game five, Pierce saved some clutch heroics for that performance. Despite not shooting the ball well in this game, Pierce hit some big shots down the stretch, including a three-pointer over LeBron that helped secure the victory. At this point, as a young Celtics fan, I thought this was the series. I thought this was over. We're going back to Boston. We're about to win. And personally, I could have never been more wrong than that. Like, I still see this face in my nightmares. No lie. LeBron went on to have one of the best performances in playoff history. 45 points, 15 rebounds. 
And honestly, going back to Miami for Game 7, I don't think the Boston Celtics had much of a chance. Game 7 was still pretty competitive, but the Heat were able to get away and win Game 7, move on to the NBA Finals where they eventually won the championship. Now as Ray Allen moved on to the Miami Heat, the Celtics still thought that they maybe had one more run left in them, but an early season injury to Rajon Rondo in the 2012-2013 season quickly ended those hopes. But despite not having Rondo for pretty much the entirety of the season, Pierce stepped up in a way and had an underrated, very good year. Playing a lot as the primary ball handler, Pierce had one of his best assisting seasons of his career, averaging just a shade under five assists per game. He had multiple triple-doubles this season, including a 27-point, 14-rebound, 14-assist game during the year. Now, the Celtics weren't as good as their standards had hoped for, but they were still able to make the postseason Went up against a very good New York Knicks squad in which the Knicks won in six games, but the Celtics battled until the very end. But after this game, it was clear that the run in Boston was all but over. And the trade definitely did happen as Pierce, KG, and Jason Terry were shipped to the Brooklyn Nets for a flurry of draft picks. Now on paper, and I say this on paper, this Nets team looked very good. You had Darren Williams who was still at the tail end of his prime. You had Joe Johnson one of the most clutch players in the league alongside Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and a young Brooke Lopez who was an all-star caliber player. But we have to remember, this was all on paper, and not every super team on paper is a super team when they get on the court. But it was a tough start to the season, an injury early on to Brooke Lopez, the team just not gelling that well on the court. It took a long time for the Nets to finally catch their rhythm. The Nets were able to get all the way to the fifth seed, won a first-round series in seven games, against a young Toronto Raptors squad where Paul Pierce had the game-saving block on Kyle Lowry. Going into the second round, the Nets got to score off against the Miami Heat, a team that they beat four times in the regular season, but this was a totally different story. Nets ended up losing the series in five games, and that was quickly the end of the Paul Pierce run in Brooklyn. Not a bad year, but clearly Pierce was on the decline, only averaging 13 points per game, four rebounds, and two assists. Now, Pierce decided to leave the Brooklyn Nets that offseason, and he went to the Washington Wizards to join a young John Wall and Bradley Beal duo. And honestly, as a Pierce fan, this was one of the most fun seasons, I think, for him. Pierce bought into a role. His role was to be the veteran, hit some clutch shots, and be a mentor to these young guys. The regular season wasn't anything too flashy. Pierce averaged about 11 points per game, but the postseason is when we realize why this man is really called the truth. A Raptors team that was the higher seed and they were favored against this Washington Wizards squad was no match for the clutch shooting of Paul Pierce. And it seemed like every game this series, this man hit a big time shot and the Raptors ended up getting swept by the Washington Wizards. Now moving on to the next series against the Atlanta Hawks, Paul Pierce did many similar things. In game three of a 1-1 series, game tied at one-on-one, Paul Pierce hit a step back, bank shot, mid-range jump shot to win the game. And this is where Pierce gave one of the best quotes in NBA history. Yeah, he called game. Pierce ended up hitting a clutch shot in game five, a corner three that put the Wizards up, a chance to go up 3-2 in the series. But then Al Horford came back with a clutch put-back tip in that ultimately won the game for the Atlanta Hawks. Game six, Pierce just ran out of time. Kid, you cannot tell me at the time that he did not get this shot off before the buzzer sounded. But clearly I was wrong. The ball was still in his hands. But that just shows you how clutch this man Paul Pierce was. But this was pretty much the end of seeing a good Paul Pierce. Now, the last few years of Paul Pierce's career was not great. 
that might be a little bit of an overstatement. He just wasn't good. He was clearly over the hill. And he decided to take his talents, or what was left of his talents, to the LA Clippers. Now with this being his last season in 2017, Pierce was able to get one last shining moment in Boston. He was subbed in late in the game and was able to hit his final shot in TD Garden. This was a special moment for Pierce and it was pretty much the last great moment of his playing career. Clippers were eliminated in seven games of a first round series against the Utah Jazz and the 19 year playing career of Paul Pierce came to an end. In the summer of 2017, Pierce signed a one-day contract to retire as a Boston Celtic. Once again, that's just so ironic that a Laker fan growing up became one of the most storied Celtics in NBA history. The team also retired Paul Pierce's number 34 jersey in 2018. Now, I think the analyst side of Paul Pierce is what rubs people the wrong way, especially when he makes comments like this. Now, listen, I'll tell it to y'all straight. As a Paul Pierce fan, I can't defend a lot of the stuff that he says. But if there's one thing about the truth, he's not afraid to speak his mind. Now, the man has said a lot of wild things on ESPN over the last few years. But that shouldn't take away from what an amazing player that he was on the court. And I think somebody that's gone down as maybe one of the most misunderstood NBA players uh, of his generation and maybe of all time. I mean, playing in one of the toughest eras of all time, Paul Pierce had a lot of success. NBA champion, finals MVP four-time All-NBA, a 10-time All-Star, the league in scoring one season, multiple times averaging 25-plus points per game. I mean, look, there's a reason why Shaquille O'Neal, the king of nicknames himself, gave Pierce the nickname The Truth. And that is why this past September, Paul Pierce was enshrined to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, love him or hate him, maybe his game was too boring for you, or maybe you're just not old enough to really remember how good he was. I think it's important to recognize how good Paul Pierce truly was as an NBA player. Now, if you just take away some of his crazy takes on television, Pierce was truly one of the best players of his era. He wasn't flashy, but he was skillful. He talked a lot, but he could back it up. And more likely than not, he was going to hit that clutch shot. So there's one thing that you need to remember about Paul Pierce. Just remember that he was the truth.